the the most common mistake any pastor or church planter or church revitalizer or church anywhere really the most common mistake that i see guys make is they make it so hard for people to step into the system of serving at the church. Today on the Church Candy Podcast, I'm sitting down with Pastor Mike Santiago from Focus Church. He also leads an amazing organization called Break 200, helping churches get past the 200 average attendance. Mark, we talk about church planting and just how to run an effective ministry. And before we jump into the conversation, I want to invite you to get a free copy of my book, Plan Your Visit Playbook. You can go to the link in the description or go to planyourvisitplaybook.com. You can get a free copy of this book. It'll teach you step-by-step how to get new guests to your church every single Sunday using digital marketing. Now, let's jump into the pod. Welcome to the Church Candy Podcast, the podcast of sweet ministry success. I'm your host, Brady Sticker, and let's jump in. What's going on, guys? I'm here with Pastor Mike Santiago from Focus Church. Pastor Mike, you guys are killing it. Uh, Like I said, right before we started pressing record on the pod today, we are in a season of focusing on church planters, church planting. Uh, And so I would love to, you know, learn more about your story and really where you guys are today. I know you've got multiple campuses. Uh, So what does a Sunday at Focus Church look like these days? Yeah, thank you for having me, Brady. I appreciate it. Love all that you guys do there at Church Candy, helping so many churches um, see so many people join and and come to Christ and ultimately get engaged in the church community. Uh, our church started with seven people in my living room 10 years ago. Um, we had no promise of a job, no promise of anything at all. We simply packed up everything we owned in a 24-foot box truck, moved to right outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, a town called Apex. We found a a uh, lady who wouldn't do a credit check to give us uh, an apartment lease, like a you know a little townhome, and we we found that as a sign from God. If they're not going to check our credit, then we can we can live here, and this is where we can we can fool this lady into thinking that we have a job and and uh, sustainable income. Although we didn't, it was just a big step of faith. And so I was working at Panera Bread, which is like a cafe. If if you're uh, part of the global audience, you might not know, but it's like a little coffee shop slash bakery, and they sell a lot of bagels. And I was making uh, $7.25 an hour. Now, this is just 10 years ago. And uh, I was making minimum wage, three kids, all three kids in diapers. My wife is at home with the children. I'm working at Panera Bread. And I can distinctively remember asking my manager to not uh, – throw away the bagels that were left over after that shift, he was going to throw them into the dumpster. And I just asked him to place them next to the dumpster so that I wouldn't have to go through the embarrassment of jumping into the dumpster to feed my family. And uh, sounds dramatic, but it was true. We only had one car at the time. So I would go home with a trash bag full of leftover bagels from Panera Bread. And I was walking, I'd walk home with leftover bagels every single day. And we had bagels for breakfast, bagels for lunch, and bagels for dinner. And uh, what we started doing was just gathering a small group of people in our living room because I didn't want to work at Panera Bread forever. The Lord had burdened us for the city. And so we just started having little uh, Bible study in our church, in our little house, and it became uh, what is now known 10 years later as Focus Church. Uh, But it started with a very small and humble beginning. We've done 
about eight different venues over the past 10 years. We've been evicted from a high school. We've been, uh, we met at a country club. We've met at a, um, a, a elementary school, a cultural arts center. And now 10 years later, we have uh, three locations. Two of them are permanent. One of them is portable. And uh, we have a video venue model. So I preach from our broadcast location here on the east side of the city. And uh, to God be the glory, we've baptized over a thousand people in water over the past 10 years. And and uh, it's been really, really cool to see. That's a real quick snapshot of a very long journey. Obviously, all glory to God. And uh, it's been a miracle to see it happen. And it's been an awesome ride to be a part of it. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I know you're involved in the Church Multiplication Network community. Uh, so I, I'm curious to know, you, you started in your bedroom and mm-hmm. then grew it from there. So did you do the traditional launch big model where you built a launch team, had a big grand opening service, and then went from there? Yes, uh, I would consider our model uh, an attractional model or a franchise model, big box model, whatever people call it. We did have a launch date, which was the second Sunday in September. Uh, and that's coming up now on 11 years uh, in just in just a month. So, Wow, that's exciting. So uh, tell me, what did you guys do to build your launch team? I mean, if you had a pulse, you had a purpose in those days. You know, everyone, every breathing person in our city was invited to church and invited to join. We invited strangers into our house for our Sunday night gathering. We, I would have uh, coffee meetings lined up back to back to back um, where I was just meeting with people, people who, you know, had a cousin. I have a cousin in Raleigh, and they might be interested, or I, I, I know someone who I used to go to school with in Raleigh. They might be interested I mean, my calendar was packed um, full of just meeting with strangers, uh, getting to know them, sharing the heart of the church, but more than anything, just trying to see if I um, could get a, a, a pulse on who was in the city and who we are reaching. And so that first nine months from January to September, all we did was gather a launch team. All we did was galvanize as many people in the community as possible. I got my hair cut at the same place. I worked out at the same place. We ate lunch at the same place, and we just started, you know, just started trying to make as many friends as possible. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Did you guys do any like interest parties and things like that? Yeah, we had a a schedule that we followed um, that we teach at the Church Multiplication Network, basically from, you know, nine months out to launch Sunday, you kind of ramp up into that. Um, You know, the more the closer you get to launch Sunday, the more frequent your interest meetings and your, um, you know, your team nights become you know it starts with like a grill and chill like hang out very low vision casting very low commitment low ask but the closer you get to launch the more intensified that request gets hey guys we're starting in three months now it's time to form the greeter team and form the kids team and form the worship band and uh, form the safety team and start hitting the streets with the marketing and so yeah we did a, a, a ton of different things i mean i can I mean, I could tell you stories of, of crazy stuff that we tried to try to get the name of the church out there and build a team. I hired a kid one time to dress up as Satan, and he flipped a sign that said, I hate focuschurch.com. And I hate focuschurch.com was a domain name that I owned, and it pointed people to a splash page where I had shot a video that just simply said, Hey, you probably saw Satan on the corner, you know, protesting our church. And the reason Satan is protesting our church is because it's a church uh, that Satan hates because it's a church that you're going to love. 
And so all sorts of stuff like that pre-launch. Yeah. How did that How know, did that work for yeah. you? Did you guys like end up getting people on your team from that? It was, it was unbelievably effective in a couple of different for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it got the name of our church out uh, way quicker than if somebody was just standing out there with a sign that just said "Focus Church coming soon." The shock value, like the negative press, the the protest kind of feel of it, really did kind of draw attention. Number two, people didn't want to go to the domain name, so people didn't want to go to i uh, i hate focus but they did want to know about Focus Church. So what they end up doing from their phone at the stoplight is Googling Focus Church. And what that does is that hyper increases your Google score and your SEO and all of the things that, you know, that attract people later. So when someone searches Focus Church, we were like at the very top. We hadn't even started yet. And we had a really strong. Yeah, that's like great so for your that. SEO. Right, right. It's like it's better than someone typing in the domain name is someone searching the church's name and then clicking on your domain name at the top. And so uh, that really helped a lot. And then we got a couple people from it. Uh, more than anything, it was just brand awareness and, and that season, just trying to get the name of the church in front of the community. Dude, that is that is hilarious. I've so I've heard of uh, I've heard of crazy, crazy things like I know a church planter in uh in charlotte so not too far from you guys and uh right. you you probably do you know brian bullock with uh union church uh i do they I just do. launched their charlotte campus so we did all mm -hmm. of their digital and he was telling me about just some of the crazy things they did and which in texas marijuana is like still illegal so this isn't a thing here but i've seen right. this in other states where there's these box trucks with led walls that will just drive right. around the city promoting these like marijuana dispensaries. And Brian's like, bro, we were doing everything and anything. We had TV commercials, we had billboards, we even got the weed truck. And I was like, what's the <laughs> weed truck? Uh, he's like, you don't know the weed truck? And I was like, dude, I don't, I don't know, we're in Texas. They don't know marijuana is illegal. He's like, oh yeah, I saw if uh, if the if this drug company, if these marijuana dispensaries can we'll pay these trucks to drive around, uh, then I'm going to use it for the kingdom and I'm going to put the union church logo on it. And, uh, they paid for it to drive around. So I've heard of things like that, but, uh, man, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. So you are in the season growing the launch team, getting people together. Tell me about launch Sunday. How did that go? Uh, what were some things that you guys did to promote, which I know this was 10 years ago, but, uh, right. I would love to get some insight on like, what did you guys do? for your launch? What did your numbers look like? Walk us through that. Sure. For the kids that might be watching or listening to the podcast, Instagram was very different 10 years ago. Social media in itself was very different 10 years ago. It's grown a lot and it's changed immensely. Um, you know, we, we did, uh, much like Pastor Brian mentioned to you, like we're doing everything short of sin to get as many people in the building as possible. So um, we did a mass mailer, which at the time was, was kind of the, the staple strategy to do. Uh, we, we, we handed out 10,000 freezy pops on 4th of July at like five different fireworks shows. Uh, so there's like, you know, you have your like, you know, grassroots ground game that we're just passing out flyers, talking with people. You got Satan flipping a sign. You got a mailer hitting the, hitting the mailboxes. Uh, you got yard signs, you know, on every street corner. And then you have your digital advertising, which is like, you know, a great story video about the church, a promotional video about the church, all of that's working at once. And so it's not like there's not it wasn't like a singular strategy where we we put every all the eggs into one basket. It was like 
as spread out as possible with with all that we could do. And and so our, our launch team ended up being about 37 people. And remember, we parachuted in, so we had no family, no friends. I wasn't the youth pastor down the road two years prior. Like I had I had nothing. I had nothing. We were we were basically missionaries to Raleigh. And so we had 37 people committed to the team, full worship band, full kids team, and that's about it. It was very, I was greeting in the parking lot. I was waving in the parking lot. I was shaking hands. I had an umbrella every Sunday. When our drummer couldn't show, I was playing drums. And so a very lean launch team. And uh, we launched on on launch Sunday, there was 165 people in attendance and um, 11 people gave their life to Christ. And we ended up baptizing three people in water that month. And, uh, which was huge. Um, and in those days, you know, this was just at the beginning of, I would say like the church planting wave. Um, and I don't know if, it, I don't know if, if, if anyone watching or listening remembers, like there was just a time when, when church planting was extremely popular and extremely fruitful. And it was just at the beginning of that. And so we launched with about 165 we grew it down on our lowest Sunday. It was a 48 people. And so, um, you know, I don't want to just highlight all the campuses that we have now and everything that God has done without letting you know, like, there was a Sunday where the offering uh, with the 48 people and the offering was $11 and I had put a $10 bill in. And so I just, I just reached back in the bucket. I was like, no, if y'all ain't giving, then I'm not going to give either. And I put that $10 bill back in, back in my pocket. But, uh, so, you know, we launched with 165, grew it down to 48. And then from there, we actually changed venues four months in to our church planting journey. And when we changed venues, it actually, uh, propelled our church forward. We went from one service to three services in that second venue. And so location does matter. It was literally only a half a mile away but it made such a difference in who it attracted and how many it attracted and how consistent people came to church. And uh, I attribute a lot of our early growth to the boldness of moving venues only four months in. Yeah, location is so important. Um, in a, especially now, 10 years later after launching the church, people don't want to go somewhere where they have a hard time finding the parking lot where it's out of the way to drop their kids off. People consider how far away they are from their kids during worship now too. So if like it's in a whole nother building down the street or down the hall and then to the left and then to the right and you had to, you know, so location does matter. We started in an elementary school and the thing about an elementary school is that everything is smaller. Everything is built to scale. So the urinals in the men's bathroom are smaller, you know, and so their aim in the urinals is really bad. So the smell was really bad. Um, They don't have the parking lot because those students don't drive themselves to school. So an elementary school is not always ideal for launching the church. We did it because that was the only option that we had at the time. But when we moved from the elementary school to the cultural arts center, the cultural arts center just had a level of excellence that the elementary school didn't have. It was clean because it was a government, like a local town government-run facility that was used for family movie nights and, you know, ballet and all these other things. It was used constantly, so it was cleaned constantly, and it, it had a 
a historic vibe. It was right downtown next to all these restaurants. It had a large parking lot. It was easily accessible. You could tell people the Halley Cultural Arts Center right downtown Apex, and they knew exactly what you were talking about um, and right where you were talking about. That's one of the great things about our movie theater location is although movie theaters aren't always ideal, sometimes they're dark, sometimes it's hard to get power to them, enough electricity to withstand the, the sound system and the lighting, the great thing about a movie theater is that most people in that town know where the movie theater is. And so uh, those are some, some, some pros on the, and cons on the movie theater side. So we were at elementary school, the Cultural Arts Center, and then we went to a high school auditorium that had 750 seats, um, which was plenty, and it was awesome. It was, had plenty of parking. It had a great size stage. It was actually in an auditorium. And so that venue did us well as well because we were at three services, setting up, tearing down three services. We needed a, a, to go down to two at the high school. And then from there, you know, the worst, the worst venue we ever had by far was the McGregor Downs Country Club. And I remember it because the lady, I tried to explain to the lady the, our style of church going into it. Hey, ma'am, you know, we're going to use your, your clubhouse here on Sunday mornings when all the golf members are coming in for their brunch, when all their wives are coming in for brunch. And I said, I just want to be really clear, like how we do church, there will be a full band, there will be subwoofers, there will be uh, people singing and clapping and cheering. I, we have a celebratory service. And she's like, it's fine, it's fine, they'll be fine. And I remember distinctly, we only lasted three weeks in this venue. This is how I know it's the worst one we ever had. I looked down the hall into the restaurant and I could see like the orange juice like shaking from our subwoofers and these people trying to have breakfast with their friends at the country club. And we're in there with our subs just shaking the tables. And uh, she said, sorry, it's not going to work out. And I'm like, I tried to tell you, we have church. We don't play games. Yeah. And so that was our worst venue that we ever had. Dude, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. So, uh, Walk me through the process now that you guys have permanent locations. What was that transition like? Yeah, a couple of miracles happened in our story. Five years into the church plant, we were meeting at that high school. We were meeting at, and then we got evicted from the high school. We went to the country club, and during that time, there was a church across town whose pastor had recently resigned, and it made uh, the church was on a pastoral search, and we were on a facility search. And so you have one church who is homeless, our church, and you have another church who's shepherdless, which is their church, and we came together in a merger. And uh, I'm, I'm, the story is extremely long and detailed, but uh, when it comes down to it, this church had need of a pastor, and our church was in need of a building, and the two fit really well together. And so we inherited an existing legacy church uh, that's a part of our network of churches, the Assemblies of God. And uh, we ended up inheriting 60 acres and 70,000 square feet. So we went from having wow. nothing to having way too much uh, almost overnight. And uh, it's been really cool to see. We've since uh, paid off all of the debt that the church had. Uh, the church had had debt for 30 years, and we've we've paid off that debt. And now we're going to be building a brand new building on the property. And uh, it's been a really cool story. It's a long one, and it wasn't easy. But um, yeah, God has been good to us. So now we have, this is our broadcast location where I'm at right now. It's our East Raleigh location. 
And then we actually went back to where we started the church in Apex, where I used to live, where I worked at Panera, and we have a permanent location there. Uh, that's a leased warehouse space. It's like a standalone warehouse building that we have. And uh, that's a video venue. And then just recently, we launched our South location in a movie theater. And uh, that one is also video venue, obviously, and uh, it's on the South side. So our, our dream is to have a a campus within 15 minutes of everyone in Raleigh. That's kind of our big vision. If you say, like, what's Focus Church plan? I want it to be, I want no one to say that commute time is the reason they can't go to a Focus Church location. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, So you guys have seen a ton of success in ministry. God has really blessed Focus Church. Uh, Looking back at it, if you had to start over from scratch with everything that you did, what would you do differently now if you were having to go, let's say God told you to, you know, step down from Focus Church, move to the other side of the country and plant a new ministry. What would you do differently Mm -hmm. now that you didn't do back whenever you guys first launched Focus Church? I think I probably would have really tried to maximize the team size. I I didn't know how, how valuable team size was in the early days. I just thought we needed the bare minimum. And if I could go back, I'd I'd try to like build an army. Uh, What I've learned over the past 10 years is that for every one person on our team, it equals about 3.5 people in attendance. And so for every, for every one person you have serving, no matter normally, no matter what the context, no matter what the size, you have about three and a half people in attendance. So if I want a church of 350, I need to get a team of 100. Essentially, that's what it comes down to. And I don't want to suck all the spiritual life out of the church growth strategy. You know, you need to pray, you need to fast, you need to seek God. But at the end of the day, you'll never go to a mega church, and you can name whichever mega church you're, you're thinking of right now, and they don't have an army of volunteers, an army of a team that helps sustain the move of God. Um, I liken it to when Jesus feeds the 5,000, he tells the disciples, he says, go sit them down in groups of 50 and 100. Could he have done the miracle any other way? Of course. But what I think he was showing the disciples was that in order to do a miracle at scale, in order to do something that is massive, we have to actually break it down into small components. And so at the end of the day, if I were to start over, I would say, I want a team of 100 starting out. I wouldn't worry about anything else. I wouldn't worry about an LED wall. I wouldn't worry about a cool logo. I wouldn't worry about none of that. I used to, I used to obsess over the, the colors of our logo or obsess over like the visual aesthetic of our Instagram page. And all of that is important, but it's not nearly as important as getting people involved and integrated into the life of your church. Because once you have people, then all of that other stuff can happen. But at the end of the day, I know so many churches have incredible Instagram aesthetic, incredible YouTube, you know, videos, but there's no people being developed. And at the end of the day, I was obsessed with the wrong things in the early, in the early days. I, I would yell and, and scream and, and be mad at stupid stuff that doesn't really matter in the, in the grand scheme of things. I, I, would, have built, I would build systems before I built anything else, so... Yeah, uh, that's kind of what I would do if I had to start over again. I would build a massive team. It would be like, it would be like overwhelming how many volunteers I would galvanize 
I would I, I think galvanize is the right word. Galvanize. Yeah. I think I would galvanize more and worry about the aesthetic a lot less. Yeah, especially for church planters first starting out. And I know being a church planter, you have to have this entrepreneurial spirit to go start something fresh because it takes a lot of work that a lot of people don't have. And I was literally talking to a church planter two weeks ago. And and I was just talking through, like, okay, so what have you guys done so far? He's like, well, you know, I, I spent the last week working on our logo. And the week before that, I was trying to get our website right. And now I've just got to go back and work on the website. And I was like, okay, well, how many, like, coffee meetings have you set up? He's like, well, I haven't really started doing that yet. I was like, dude, don't, don't even worry about any of that stuff. Like, don't worry about your logo. Don't worry about your website. Like, you need an MVP, minimum viable product. And you should only be doing actions that will lead towards a new person joining your team. That's it. That needs right. to be your main focus. Every activity you do, everything that you do, and this is just life in general, business, ministry, like when you're starting a church plant from scratch, you need to be focusing on the right things at the right time. And so I love that. I love that, man. Well, uh, look, I know you do a lot of church plant coaching and things like that. And so what are some things that you've heard from church planters uh, and some mistakes that you've seen them make? What, what are some common things you see there? Uh, the, the most common mistake any pastor or church planter or church revitalizer or church anywhere, really, the most common mistake that I see guys make is they make it so hard for people to step into the system of serving at the church. They have to attend a 16-week theology class, or they have to go through a growth track or a next steps process, but they don't have the next steps process consistently. It's like, well, every fourth Sunday on a blood moon, then we have our week one of our next steps. And it's like, if I were to tour a gym, I were to go to a new gym that I want to join. Imagine I go to a gym, I go to visit the, the big buff guy at the, at the door, you know, greets me, walks me around, says, this is where the cardio's at. This is where the free weights are. These are the lockers. These are the showers. Are you ready to get signed up? And I'd said, yes. And then he goes, but wait, you can't start working out for the next six weeks because that's when we have our new member orientation. Well, I'm not going back to that gym because I walked into that gym that day to work out really right after I was done with the tour. And I find that so many pastors do not have an assimilation process that is actually fast enough to capture the hearts of people who want to be involved. So the number one mistake that pastors make is their assimilation process is not consistent, it's not clear or simple, and it's definitely uh, clunky. It's like randomized and nobody knows when it is or what it is. So we do party with the pastor the first Sunday of every month, rain or shine, snow or sleet, no matter what. We are like the Amazon man that comes to my driveway every single day. Party with the pastor is on the first Sunday of every month. And it's not a ministry of the church. Party with the pastor is the ministry of the church because it's the only door that people can walk through to start their serving journey or to start their journey of being involved at the church. And today, is that something that you're leading or do you have campus pastors leading those? So we, we've done it a million different ways. Party with the pastor has is like a clay. It's just molded into what we need to do. Some 
services. We only have one or two attendees because it's the 830 service and or it's the, you know, the later service at another location. And so we, we always mold it. Uh, our campus pastors are the primarily uh, the leaders of it, but we have an entire Next Steps team. So if, even if we're not there, even if I'm not there, um, it can happen. I've recorded videos that they can use to supplement. If, if uh, they're not there, they just press play on a video that I've recorded. Um, sometimes I'll sneak in and I'll just say hello to a couple of the guests, which tends to help a lot. But in the early days, my wife and I, we picked up the refreshments. We scheduled the childcare. We got the tablecloth ironed. I mean, we did everything, and it was the first Sunday of every month. I, I, can, I mean, I was filling up the balloons with helium in the early days of the church. And so um, now as it's grown, we've built a team around it. But uh, I'd say for those who are like, I don't have the team for party with the pastor, I, I would say that it's the, number one, it's the number one gap that I find when I coach guys and when guys join our program at break200.com, they, they just don't have an assimilation process. It's the number one viewed video in our video library of over 200 videos of training party with the pastor is the number one viewed video uh, because there's just not enough simplicity a lot of times when it comes to assimilation in the church yeah man so good so good you always got to give people a next step and if it's randomized if people don't know when it is it's going to be really hard to get them to take that next step uh, i love it man i love it so tell me more about break200.com and everything you guys have going on there yeah, so after 10 years, I, I decided that it was time to start helping other guys. And after COVID, after the global pandemic, after the shutdown, it, it, it was the great leveler for a lot of churches. A lot of guys were struggling with getting back on their feet. And so what I did is I started to record videos um, that just talked about the practical side of church growth, how to follow up with first-time guests, how to receive an offering without it being pushy or weird. Uh, how to manage your board when your board doesn't want doesn't really agree with you. All sorts of stuff. Over uh, about 200 videos right now on the library. And what we did was we made it extremely affordable, almost free, and it's basically like Netflix for church growth. All you have to do is log in at break200.com, and it's $197 for the entire year. And most guys are like, it's $197 a month? No, it's $197 for the entire year and we upload new videos every month. So the library grows. All of our documentation is back there. And then we have a private Facebook group as well. And uh, it's really, uh, really helped a lot of guys. I've gotten several text messages just yesterday um, with guys that are just now breaking the 200 barrier. One guy said he had 17 new people uh, join at party with the pastor after they've implemented these strategies that they've learned. And so and then uh, I give a lot of it away for free on our Instagram. It's just at break200 and then .com spelled out. So D-O-T-C-O-M, so at break200.com. Um, on Instagram, a lot of the stuff, a lot of ideas get shared there. And uh, we're on a mission. We want to see 2,000 pastors, 2,000 churches break the 200 barrier. And that's our goal. That's awesome, man. I love it. I love it. Well, everyone, go check out, uh, is it break200.com? Yep, just break200.com. And then we have a conference, break200conference.com. That's in October, and that's almost sold out. Awesome. Sweet, man. You guys are killing it. Uh, any final advice, words of wisdom for pastors and church planters out there? Yeah, I'd say just have fun preaching. Uh, a lot of guys get too serious. They think too too serious about preaching. If you're a pastor, if you're a church planter, 
and you're going to do this long term and you're going to do this for the rest of your life, then uh, you need to have fun doing it. So smile, like literally enjoy the act of the, the only thing you get to do every week shouldn't be the most stressful thing you get to do every week. Um, when you learn to have fun preaching, people will actually receive what you're preaching with a, a lot more grace and a lot more fun. But if you get up there and you're, you're like, you know, you're, you're gripping the Bible with tight and you're like, I got a word from God and you're just angry and upset and frustrated. It's like, dude, relax, man. And if you're happy and you know it, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. That's, that's my, that's my advice to pastors. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face, especially when you preach. So that would be my last and parting words. I love it, man. Absolutely. Well, guys, go check out everything that Mike's got. We'll link it down below in the description. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Man, thank you again, Pastor Mike Santiago, for jumping on the Church Candy Pod. You guys are doing incredible things at Focus Church. Below this video or the podcast description, you should find the info to get connected with Pastor Mike Santiago. He's amazing. Go follow him on Instagram. Go sign up for his program, Break 200. ton of great value. Even if you're over the 200 mark, there's still some incredible value that you can get for the program. That's all for this episode of the Church Candy Pod. We'll see you in the next one. They ask me what I do this for.